0: This morning will be in Exodus chapter 24. Chapter 24 starting at verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up uh, to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance. Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the words and laws, uh, they responded with one voice Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up twelve stone pillars. Uh, representing the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as uh, fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of covenant, and he read it to the people, and they responded, "'We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey.'" Moses then took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of of lapis. Uh, as bright blue as the sky. Now, this is this is just kind of a side note. This is like a gem. It's very b- beautiful, very beautiful. It's a, like like a sapphire um, in, in a way. Very, um, and they're walking up on it. Think about that. It's kind of kind of going into the presence of the Lord, and they're walking up on this really blue. Um, Rock that, that that they're they're going up to meet him in and it kind of gives me a little bit of an image of what the picture is in the throne room in heaven and so think about that in the throne room of heaven you're in the presence of God and we're told that the 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 the, the ground is like jasper precious stone and here here's Moses going up on the mountain and he's walking upon precious stone. By the way, this is hard to find today. So if you find some lapis, make sure that you keep it. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of Israel. They saw God and they ate and they drank. The, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here and I will the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God and he said to the elders wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you and anyone involved in the dispute can go to them. When Moses went up to the mountain the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai for Uh, Six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Um, Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word, and Lord, I pray that you would help us as we apply it this morning. I pray, Lord, that you give me the words to say when it's time to be quiet. Let me be quiet. I pray this in your name. Amen. I've, I've got three more passages I want to read to you, three more verses uh, or, or sections here. And the first one is Exodus 13, 21 through 22, and it says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar or cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And then we have Exodus 33, uh, verse 22 through 23. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. And then we have Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place and suddenly the sound of a blowing wind, a uh, violent blowing wind from heaven came and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This morning we're talking about the 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 glory of the Lord. And so uh one of the things that we see in the passages over and over again is that the glory of the Lord came to the people. The glory of the Lord was there. Uh and, and there's one thing that we have to realize is that the glory of the Lord is life-changing, that when we come into his presence, it's a life-changing situation for us. It's a life-changing things. Whole trajectories of life change when people come into the presence of the Lord. Um the word glory here comes from this this uh, uh, Latin word. Um, you've never heard me say that in a church service before, have you? You've heard me say Greek and Hebrew, but I've never talked about Latin because um, I don't know it. Um, Latin is this, it comes from this word gloria, and it means fame or renown, and uh And when we use it to describe the presence of God, it talks about the manifestation of God's presence as perceived by humans. As perceived by humans. It's this, this glory. So when we come into the, the presence of God, there, there is, this is the only way that we can describe it. The, the feeling that comes along with it, the sights that we see, and then what he does in transformation of people, the only way that we can describe it in our language is glory, renown, fame, The manifestation of His presence. Now, there's there's this other term that we use uh, that that I I don't hear it used as much today as I used to hear it used. But um, maybe you've heard it used before. The Shekinah glory. Now, the Shekinah glory, this is a Jewish term that, that it's not just a, a Christian thought here it's the it's a Jewish term that that means the manifest presence of God himself and so when it talks about the Shekinah glory it usually talks about the the dwelling or the presence of God himself and so it, it's so overwhelming uh, when God delivered the Israelites from captivity we, we see that the Shekinah glory is the one that went before them and went behind them um, it, it was the Shekinah glory the presence of God manifested in visible form for people um, it, and then we see uh, that uh, when when they were going through the, the Red Sea we see the power of God through his Shekinah glory I don't know about you but I I, I can go to Green River Lake And I can take a big stick and I can hit that water all day long. And it ain't going to go anywhere. I can go out here to Green River and I can hit that water all day long with a big stick. And it ain't going to happen. And here's the thing. Here's the truth of the matter. It's that Moses, without the Shekinah glory of the Lord going before him, he could go out there and he'd hit that Red River all day long. Red Sea. It's not Red River. That's East Kentucky. The Red Sea hit the hit the Red Sea all day long, and without the shikana glory, the presence of the Lord, the power of the Lord being manifested in, in 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 form that people can see, there, it would not happen. It's almost always used to to talk about the dwelling or the presence of God Himself. Um, uh, in, in the desert, it's the cloud before and the cloud, uh, the, um, the cloud of, and during the day provided the, the, the protection for the people. And then the fire at night provided the light for the people. And so uh, it's often thought that the Shekinah glory is kind of this visual image that we have, uh, for Shekinah glory is, uh, the, the, the cloud by day, the Lord's protection of his people and the, the pillar of fire at night. God who lights the way, and here's here's what we have to realize is that is that when we talk about uh, light in the way, we talk about Jesus, the light of the world, who lights the way for us today. The Shekinah of glory is is usually in two parts. Here, it's the dwelling place, uh, so it's the physical place where the glory of God dwells. Uh, Leviticus. Uh, Exodus, Deuteronomy talk about the tabernacles, and so the the presence of God dwelt in the tabernacles or the tents, um, massive tents. Would dwell in the tents, and and uh, not only was it visible inside the tent, we're, we're told that that this uh, that they knew where the presence of God was in the camp. It was right there in the middle because that's where the Lord told them to put it. But um, they they knew that there was something different about that tent uh, because the presence of God. Was around it. They could feel it. They could see it. They could hear it. We're told that Moses would go to the tent and he would praise the Lord. And it wasn't this quiet praise, he praised the Lord. It was audible, and people around knew that when Moses was in the tent, um, praising the Lord, uh, we're, we're told that the the dwelling place of the Lord, the temple, the holy of holies, uh, the 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 altar, the the place where the, uh, the the blood was poured, the sacrifices were were poured upon the altar, the um uh, the the physical presence there uh, be the dwelling place of the Lord, and then and then we have kind of this. Uh, a spiritual uh, side of the Shekinah Glory, or or what we would call the metaphysical, is what we could also call it. And and that is is that the presence of God dwells in the hearts of believers. Have you ever just seen somebody so on fire with God that they just radiate? They just radiate with His presence. Think about Moses. He goes up on the mountain. This would come out a couple of chapters here. He goes up on the mountain. He comes back down to the people and they're scared because his face is glowing because he's been in the presence of the Lord. It's it's life-changing for him. It's life-changing for them as well. The, the rushing wind in Acts, the Shekinah glory, the Holy Spirit just came into the place, and the presence of the Lord filled up the room. Now, notice, notice it says there was a the sound like the violent rushing wind. Now, it doesn't necessarily say that there was a rushing wind, but when, when. We know what happened. Their their attention was on what was happening. It sounded like a violent rushing wind. And I think that that's the presence of the Lord coming into a dark world. And you know what happens when the presence of God comes in somewhere that's a dark world? Demons have to flee. In, 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 in darkness, uh, in, in, uh, we're told that, that even the, the demons, they knew who Jesus was. He's walking down the road. It had, not even, it had not even been disclosed yet. Early on in his ministry, what his whole purpose was. But here, the demon sees him coming. Is it now the appointed time? Have mercy on us. Jesus. Son of God. The presence of God comes into the world. Um, there's this overflowing and feeling that happens, and then the worship and praise, we get that 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 feeling dear worship and praise at times. And one thing that I, I want to say about Shekinah glory this morning is that it's not just a physical feeling alone. Of the presence of God. It's a visible feeling. Or it's a a visible. Thing as well. When lives are changed. There's some visibility that happens. We know that life has been changed. Several observations real quick this morning. The first observation is those seeking the presence of God, the Shekinah, need to have an expectancy. Uh, it's not haphazardly approaching uh, the Lord. We, we don't come in and we say, okay, Lord, give us your glory today. We want it right now, it, um, right this second, you give it to me. Uh that's that's not how that works. It's not haphazardly. It's not saying, well, if the presence of God comes, it comes and if it doesn't come, it doesn't come today. Well, you know, whatever it is. If there's an expectation and an expectancy that 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 when we when we seek the presence of God, that he will send his presence. There's an expectancy that happens. And we have to be intentional with that. There has to be an intentionality in expect expecting, "Lord, we expect you to do something great today." And we have to mean it. We have to, we have to realize that the Lord will have His way among us. But He's got to, you know, is the Holy Spirit going to come and be among people who are like, Spirit can't change me. The Spirit can't do nothing. No! Lord, have Your way among us. We welcome You here today. It's an intentionality that happens uh, when we have this expectation. We have to be prayed up. Um, there's, this, uh, there's this old poem that, that's called um, Revival If... I I saw it on a bulletin board one time. They called it the prescription for revival, and it says this: It says, if the sleeping folk will wake up, if the lukewarm folk will fire up, if the honest folk will confess up, if all the disgruntled folk, disgruntled folk will cheer up, if the depressed folk will cheer up, then strange folk will make up. If the gossipers will shut up, if the true soldiers will stand up, if the dry bones will shake up, and if the church members will pray up, then we will have revival. There's an intentionality that goes along with it. There has to, there's uh restitution that happens as well uh, where needed. We have to have confession. Uh, Lord, uh, you come and you convict me that whatever I'm doing that it does not line up with you, whatever in my life that is there, whether I'm aware of it or not, Lord, convict me. And 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 Lord. I will apologize there has to i have I'll come in and ask for forgiveness. there's an expectation that that uh, uh when we when we come to the lord that that we will make confession and we will make restitution for those things that we've done wrong. Um, we need to expect that the Shekinah glory will happen when we do our part and God will do his part. We need to have the expectation that the Shekinah glory will happen when Jesus is lifted high above all else. You have a part to play. Be expectant that God will show up and show His people His glory. Second observation is this, is that those seeking the presence of God, the Shekinah of glory, should be obedient. Uh, verse uh, 7, Exodus 24, verse 7, it said, and he took the book of the covenant and he read it to the people, and this is how they responded. Uh, <laughs> you can go on and you can read a little bit later and you can learn that they probably were not the best at following this. But at this time, this is their response. They said, "They said, we will do everything the Lord has said we will obey, and I oftentimes I often think the, the phrase here, "We will do everything that the Lord has said." Often times, think that that if if the, the the church was more obedient to what the Lord has called it to do, that churches would be busting at the seam, and people and people would know um, the the Lord. Uh, I often think that obedience uh, to the Lord brings about this fuller trust in the Lord. That that when we're saying, "Lord, I don't know what the outcome of this is going to be but i have trust that you have the best intentions in mind for me and i trust you and i'm going to be obedient not knowing the outcome not knowing what's going to happen don't not knowing if i'm going to succeed or fail not knowing how to even do what you've called me to do i'm going to step out in obedience i'm going to step out in faith there's something that happens there and it's it's like the spiritual trust fall you ever done the trust fall becca will not do the trust fall with me anymore when we first got married she, she went to go do the trust fall and I have ADD and I looked away and I heard a thump she was there on the floor but here's the thing when you trust Jesus you don't fall he'll catch you every single time it builds this trust that we have when we're obedient to the Lord. When we're when obedience to the Lord, it brings, about, it brings our purposes and our plans into alignment with the purposes and the plans of God. You know, I've, I've, I've said before, I've said, Lord, I have no clue what you're doing, but I'm going to be obedient. And, and then I've gone back and I've said, praise the Lord that my plans did not happen when your plans become aligned obedience is when your plans and purposes become aligned with the plans and purposes of God obedience to the Lord it sets us up for something bigger than ourselves here's the thing you never know if your obedience is meant for you or if it's meant for somebody else around you now what do you mean by that pastor maybe you're asking that what do you mean by that god's oh, um, maybe god's telling you to do something and it's not necessarily for you but it may be to reach your neighbor. It may, be, it may be that somebody in your life is praying for something and they're looking for the Lord to do something and He's going to do it through you. Are you going to be obedient? Obedience to the Lord is required for His presence to dwell among His people. And here's the thing that we have to understand is that disobedience is rebellion. That's exactly what disobedience is, and so uh, we're, we're told in First Samuel fifteen twenty three. We're told that rebellion is the sin of witchcraft; that it's the same as witchcraft. And so, uh, here's the thing: uh, God will not show up; His presence will not show up when there is disobedience. It will not show up where there's idolatry, and what witchcraft is—it's a form of idolatry. It's—it's it's making gods of something else in place of God Almighty. And, and when, when we're disobedient, we've really committed the sin of witchcraft here. And, and the Holy Spirit will not show up in that place. The presence of God cannot dwell in a place where, where, here's the thing. God is a jealous God. He will be first. He will not take second place. He will be first. He will not take second place. He does not share his status with anyone else. Oftentimes the Israelites, the thing that tripped them up the most was that they were worshiping God and that they were worshiping the idols at the same time. Why did they go into exile? They were worshiping God and they were worshiping idols. Why did they wander in the desert for, for 40 years? Why, why were they doing that? They were worshiping God and they were worshiping idols. Why was there a destruction of the temple? They were worshiping God and they were worshiping idols. Why did they lose the battle? I mean, they lost some battles. There was, there was life lost. Why? Because they were worshiping God and they were worshiping idols. Obedience is needed. Anyone practicing idolatry pushes away the presence of God in their lives. To seek His presence, we have to be obedient. Third observation this morning. Those seeking the presence of God, the Shekinah, need to seek an infilling of the Holy Spirit the church was changed when the holy spirit did an infilling in the upper room they were empowered they they were emboldened see jesus had told them all this stuff and they told them but they really didn't get it until the holy spirit filled the room and i think that that, that is is that, is that i think that knowledge is made known I, th- I think uh, spiritual knowledge is made known when we're seeking out spiritual knowledge. So, so what that means is this. It means that, that we can read our Bible all day long, but until it permeates our hearts and our minds, because we love the one who it's about, I mean, it's not going to make a difference in us until it permeates our hearts and our minds. And there's change that happens. The filling of the Holy Spirit, it helps us to resist the enemy. It helps us to recognize what is pure, what is true, what is noble and trustworthy. And it helps us to uh, to test the spirits. Uh, First, uh, John 4 uh, tells us, it says, uh, uh, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world... This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. But this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak of the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of, of truth and the spirit of falsehood. The spirit of God points people back to Jesus. Jesus. Every single time. The Spirit will always point you back to Jesus. It'll help you go deeper. It helps root out sin. It convicts. That's one of the one of the, the, the uh things that the Holy Spirit does is convict. And I think that oftentimes in the church we've gotten this idea that conviction is a bad thing and it's not a bad thing. Uh, conviction is this thing that, that we have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit enough that we can that we can respond. Uh, we we often times are have have been led to think that conviction is a bad thing because it means that that um, we're, we're uh, we've been bad people. That's that, that's what what a lot of times we think conviction is, and I think conviction is just the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and and a recognizing that something needs to change in our lives to bring us closer to Him. And it's the Holy Spirit that reveals that. And here's the thing. You can, you can ask for forgiveness. You can provide restitution. You can go and make restitution. And what does that mean? That means you go to the person and you say, uh, maybe, maybe the Lord brings to you, a uh, Holy Spirit convicts, uh, convicts you and says, you didn't talk to that person in a nice way. You can go say Sorry. I got kicked out of a hospital one time. Yep. And uh, I was not too nice to the person in the lobby. My grandmother was in the hospital. I was out, you know, we lived here. I, I got down there, and it was near the middle of COVID, and they had one visitor for the whole day, and we were going to change out, and it was, it, was, it was crazy. You go at the night shift. They don't care. That's what I learned. But I, I ended up being a little ugly to her. And the Lord convicted me in the car on the way out of town. I was leaving, coming back here. The Lord convicted me. And, and so I had to make restitution. I called that lady up. And I said, I apologize for the way that I talked to you. That's a little embarrassing. I just want you to know that. That's a little embarrassing. But the Holy Spirit can mix. And then you have to make restitution if He leads you to make restitution. Um, and, then, and then there's forgiveness of others. Sometimes we have to forgive other people for the way that they've done us uh, and, and, and what, they, what, what they've done for us. And then sometimes we need to ask others for forgiveness. Um, the Holy Spirit helps us to live a life of victory and to live a life of freedom. Those seeking the presence of God, the Shekinah, need to seek an infilling of the Holy Spirit. This morning our final point is this. Those seeking the presence of God, the Shekinah, need to go forth and tell others. Moses came off the mountain. His face was glowing. And and uh, he had been in the presence of God. Um, and then we we, we know that he, he goes and he tells the people. They knew that something had changed. Something had happened. Uh, we know that uh, he's in the cleft of the rock. And he had been in the presence of God. And there was a change in his physical appearance. Something had happened. People knew he had been in the presence of God. Um, everybody knew that he had been in the presence of God. We're commanded to go forth and tell others. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and twenty, the great commission, and then and the, and, and then uh, Acts one eight, the the empowerment of the people. Um, that that's that's what we have there is uh, commands to go forth and tell others. And and what we really uh, have to have to realize is that when you've been in the presence of the Lord, you can't help it. To tell others. You can't help it. They'll either ask you. Because they see a change in your life. Or the Lord will lead you to talk to somebody about it. And then sometimes. If you're like me. And you don't have a filter at times. You just blurt it out. You need Jesus. He can do a work in your life. The presence of God enables us to go forth and tell others,